Good morning or afternoon, uh, wherever you're located. Uh, I'm Rick Woodham from Taggett, and thanks for listening to another installment of the Digital Game Changer series. For those of you, this is your first time to listen in. Well, welcome. And for the rest of you, uh, welcome back. So these podcasts are really intended to provide and expose you to uh, different views of, of, of people in the industry who are potentially either have been on a similar journey to you or maybe taking a, a similar journey to you uh, around digital uh, banking. Because, you know, there's really, and, and our guest today will certainly tell you this, there's certainly no one right answer or one right approach to anything related to technology and digital. Uh, but there are some general things that people learn through their journeys that can be applied to, to others. And so our hope is that out of these podcasts, you pick up these one or two nuggets uh, from the guests that might help you in, in your particular uh, digital journey. So today, uh, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm really pleased to be joined by uh, Mr. Ian Gillard. Uh, uh, Ian is a senior executive VP at Bangkok Bank uh, in the office of the president. Uh, Ian's been with the bank since January 1997. Hard to believe, Ian. Uh, and he's currently responsible... <laughs> there you go, right? So Ian currently is responsible for digitalization, going mobile, blockchain projects, cloud analytics. Uh, and and Ian, Ian's also got a very strong focus in strategy and architecture for the bank. Um, and so he's uh, very much a, a leader in the bank in terms of technology, but he's also a leader in the industry. Uh, Ian is a member of the BN, the Banking Industry and Architecture Network Board. And as I mentioned on a personal note, I've known Ian since probably the very early days I, I came to Thailand, which was a bit over uh, 18 years ago. Uh, and I can tell you during that time, he and, had, he and I have had a few, uh, I don't know, Ian, how would you describe them? Lively discussions on technology? Yeah, lively discussions. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I'm really looking forward to our chat today. So welcome, Ian. I really appreciate you joining us. Oh, a pleasure, a pleasure. So uh, I've got 20 questions for you uh, that I'll pare down to maybe four or five. How about that? Okay, good, good. <laughs> so so got listen, two answers. Yeah, until you're going to ask me, I don't, I don't do questions. Right. It goes the other way around, okay. right? <laughs> so, so listen, you're, you're currently a, a board advisor to R3. You were on the board. Uh, you're obviously a board member of BN Today. How do you see these organizations really helping shape the IT landscape, specifically as it relates to digital banking? You know, R3 is an interesting one because R3, when we first joined R3, that was when blockchain BS was kind of at its peak. You know, blockchain, everything was going to be blockchain. And we kind of had, a, you know, a couple of choices. We could either do nothing, which was a valid choice. We could go with a company who'd never really done anything and pay them to kind of make the mistakes we were going to make. Or we could join a kind of collaborative lab, like which is what R3 mm -hmm. was at the time. You know, it's Dave Rutter's third startup, startup and he had... That's why it's called R3, okay? And so he had enormous support uh, among Wall Street banks and that, you know, and so we thought we'll take part in that. Then we became a, an investor in the Series A, R3, um, Series A fundraising. You know, R3 is an interesting one because, you know, they started there, but then they, they saw the opportunity to become an enterprise software company. And right now, I mean, I know we've only got a certain amount of time, but right now they found a real sweet spot in areas like like exchanges, you know, I mean, what they did is developed a, a platform. They call it Corda, and then they have Conclave for confidential computing, and, and it's designed specific. It's distributed ledger, you know, inspired by blockchain, but it's specifically for financial services in the broadest sense. So it's really found traction in Thailand with the central bank digital currency with Project Internong. Um, mm. It's uh, it, with with things like Land registries um you know in australia and places like that where things are you know where where to have that 
shared and, and immutable record of land transactions is really important. Right. And right now with the exchanges, I think it's pretty much only the London Stock Exchange, which hasn't gone with it in Europe with Porter. And as I said, central bank digital currencies all over are going with Porter. So, I mean, I think Corder is coming in and addressing a lot of the problems with distributed ledger so you don't have to make the mistakes, you know, as far as confidentiality, only the parties in a transaction having to, to see the transaction or having access to the transaction, and as far as scalability. I mean, you, you know, right. you're, an, you know you're a, like me, an old techie, to have you know, exponential numbers of connections, you know, and, and commits in a transaction just isn't scalable. So what they did is they they went head on. So I think R3 is is really influential in bringing distributed ledger into financial services, into the core of financial services, not just right. like payment things. Now, buy-in is a whole other story. You know, buy-in... Right. I mean, we had the board meeting with Bayern three weeks ago in London at HSBC's headquarters. And the amount of investment now that American, you know, Bayern started in Europe and it was more like, um, you know, ING and the Dutch banks and some of the other, you know, Swiss banks. Then Bayern has pivoted across to the US where it's a more, you know, mm. a less, there's the, the central banks are less, um, uh, they don't prescribe things as much. It's more a free market. And you found that the banks in the US, particularly JP Morgan Chase, Citi, PNC, Wells Fargo now, they're right. all really involved in buying in this call this bank initiative. And I always say to people at a minimum, I mean, you know, you, you, I think you know what the Rosetta Stone is in, in yeah. the British Museum in the UK. And that was the way they could go from they could translate hieroglyphs, Egyptian hieroglyphs. At a minimum, buy-in is that. Buy-in is right. that common standard for data and, and for, for biz, the business of banking, for the services of banking, so that every vendor and every customer or consumer of those can have a common terminology. It's actually yeah. a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that right now. This Corliss Bank 2 and then Corliss Bank 3 initiative You've got some of these banks putting hundreds of people on this, and you've got some of the, you know, pretty much all of the world's leading software companies, you know, banking software companies involved. You've got Salesforce now fully committed into it as mm -hmm. well. And you're starting to see the real dream of like plug and play banking. Now, obviously, <laughs> Bayern is never going to be fully prescriptive, it's never going to have everything for every customer, but it's at least that core around which you can build. Uh, yeah. You can take their APIs. You can, you can. Uh, they have example microservices that they've developed and things like that. In order to connect one thing to another, some some banks also use buy-in in order to check how complete their banking offerings are that they yeah. have in those kind of things. You know, so some banks when they're doing uh, mergers or, or acquisitions with other banks. So so R three I think is is hit, has hit its sweet spot. It's an enterprise software company, and you're going to find mm. a lot of big things there. Bayern, I think you're going to find that a lot of banks are only going to start to to are going to start to have standards where if you are not Bayern compliant, which is a whole you know certification is a whole thing we're right. looking at, they won't deal with you, you know, <laughs> because yeah. you know yeah. So that'll I mean, go for I, vendors it, as well, right? I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've talked for years about the fact that we needed 
some improvements around how the plumbing worked between systems, right? Right. And frankly, digital has only really accelerated the need for that. Right. Because you right. need things to move at such a different pace than, say, the old timers like you and I have been used to uh, many years ago, right? So interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, Ian, uh, you, you guys, and I say you guys, meaning you and, and the bank, uh, have over, especially over the last few years, have really taken a very strong approach into being parts of organizations, again, like R3, uh, BN, uh, and, and even participating in the innovation labs and, and some of these initiatives around that. How, how is yeah. that sort of helping shape some of the digital work that you're doing today? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know there are there are multiple aspects to innovation. I mean, you know, to innovation labs and things like that. You know, one thing you know we you know, we had uh, multiple rounds of the Inno Hub and the Inno Hub. Actually, the difference between our Inno Hub and some of the other ones it was open, it was global. You know, so companies from Europe mm. or America or whatever could could participate, get some funding, and, and be facilitated to help to prove yeah. some of their products. I mean, one thing that did is helped us, you know, with some investments, you know, and R3 mm -hmm. was separate, actually, but some with some other companies, like, um, you know, as far as, you know, which companies do we want to help mentor, which companies do we want to use their product but not invest in, which companies do we want to invest in or not use the product. So that was a really interesting thing for us. It, it also helped us to... Um, uh, to, it helped us to find people sometimes, you know, sometimes these, very, you know, these very small startups, yeah. they kind of come and go and you can find people. And, and, you know, when, you know, obviously we don't ever try and poach people away from anybody who's in our right. no hub, but if that company fails or something, it helps us to, you know, we can hire people. You know, we, we get to prove new technologies that we don't necessarily have a project ready to go, to go into production in order right. to understand them. There are other things like coming out of R3, I mean, back to R3 Contour, you know, one of the real sweet spots for distributed ledger is trade. So we're yeah. an investor and a member in Contour, and we're actually using it for trade finance transactions on blockchain. You know, any kind of business like trade finance where there are so many untrusted parties, blockchain is ideal for that. You know, a lot of the people involved, the shippers, the agents and all this stuff yeah. aren't yeah. customers of the bank. We can't authenticate them. With blockchain, we can be more effective with that, with with with, uh, with Corda. And so Contour, Contour is a big one. We have a digital ID project, which has come out of it. Um, we have Bullung Ventures, which is a fund where we kind of put 50 million US at a time and we invest in different companies. You know, some of those companies have done well, some of them don't. You know what yeah. venture what venture yeah. capital is like. So I mean, I think it helps us to open our minds a bit. It helps us to bring some smart people in and it helps us to understand which technologies are real, really profound and will affect the future, and which technology are just like a quick, interesting yeah. thing that won't go anywhere, you know. So yeah, so, yeah I mean well, I'm actually pretty positive on that, on that aspect of what we've been doing. Well, it, it's kind of showing, I think, in, in some of the things that the bank is delivering digital. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a, a BBL customer and have been since the first day I arrived in Thailand, right? So I get to experience uh, your digital initiatives firsthand, right? Uh, right? One of the reasons why I thought it was interesting to do the podcast with you today. So, so Ian, when, when, uh, when I look at uh, a bit of this uh, external work that you guys have been doing and, and uh, you know, the innovation labs and all that, and then I sort of look at where Thailand has been over the last few years because of the pandemic. Uh, and, and hopefully with any luck at all, we're sort of coming out of that a bit. Uh, how, have, how have those two things sort of come together? And has there been anything that the bank has learned uh, out of these last couple of years 
uh, with the pandemic combined with, or maybe not combined with some of the innovation work that sort of influenced how you're going to move forward today? Anything, anything significant come out of that the last few years? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are obviously some things that I can't talk about which are in process at the moment. You know, one thing, one thing I would say, I mean, one thing is, you, you know, the old expression, because where you're from, it's better to be lucky than good. Okay? I, just <laughs> yeah. moved, I just moved everybody to the cloud, everybody to Office 365 when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Fact, yeah. Uh, I, we, there's only one country or two countries, China, where we can't, and, um, and Myanmar, where we haven't moved everybody. So the whole bank was positioned for this kind of working remotely, split shares mm. and all this, you know, more collaboration. So one thing, one thing coming out of it, I think, as a company, you know, we're using Power Apps extensively. We're using RPA, you know, extensively to, as like tactical things to change the backlog. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing I'd say is, you know, from a Thailand, okay, so you and I are both foreigners, you know, with slightly different backgrounds, but, but both foreigners, long-term in Thailand. Thai people absolutely open-heartedly embrace digital, you know, yeah. and the Thai, the Thai government has done some really smart things to encourage digital. And I don't say this to kick a piss up to the Bank of Thailand or anything, but, <laughs> you know, the things they did like prompt pay, you know, yep. which we had, we had P2P, pay to a phone number, and we had a ways for other, for non-customers to collect money with claim codes. But, it, you know, bringing prompt pay in where you have like a national standard and all of the banks connected, making that, you know, as you know, Thailand, ATM transactions between banks have been real time for 30 years or something yeah. like that. Since the day I arrived here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since way before that. I mean, yeah. I was just amazed. So it makes things like Venmo and that joke. You know, obviously we have so many less. So things like prompt pay, things like a national QR code standard, you know, which which encourages incredible amounts of innovation. Things like yeah. the banks dropping the, dropping the transaction fees or anything up to a few thousand dollars, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, NDID, the ability to onboard with a national ID. Now, I mean, you know, when when other when Western Anglo countries are going to have something like that is probably like yeah. four hundred years from now. <laughs> you know, so those kind of things together have really enabled us to during the pandemic, and I think going on to do things that a lot of people can't imagine. I mean, things like IPOs. You know, we do IPOs. You know, the CP all and the macro IPOs for our mobile banking. You know, IPOs work a little bit differently. So I think. Truly, you know, I mean, it's over 90% of our consumer transactions are on mobile now. You know, truly, Thailand is, is a leader in this stuff. You know, you yeah. go for coffee, you go for a 20 baht coffee. It's like 75 cents, 70 cents. You can pay for it with a QR code. You know, yep. you can, you know, it's just like, you know. And so actually, you know, I mean, we so I'll just give some numbers, you know, real high level. And these are, these are indicative. These are not anything for an investor to deal anything with. You know, we, we still have, you know, like 1,200 branches, 1,100-something branches. We have 10,000 ATMs. 90% of the transactions are on mobile. So everybody yeah. talks about branches and that changing to sales and sales and advice away from service. You know, it's kind of done. You know, I yeah. mean, obviously, us selling more and having better advice in the branches and helping customers, helping guide customers with the financial wellness – that's obviously the future, and everybody says that. Mm. Okay, everybody says this, but it, I mean the, th- the 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 thing I would say to people, Rick, and you you know our headquarters well. Walk in the bank head office, look to the right. You know where all those ATMs are. There used to be a line. There's nobody there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. 
So I remember having trouble getting through. So. Yeah, you have trouble. You used to have trouble getting it because the line, especially this yeah. time, you know, beginning of the month, the end of the month, beginning of the month. I mean, the the the, the channel affected the most is the ATM because people don't use cash. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, everything's done on the phone. I mean, I go out places and actually don't bring my wallet. You know, yeah. because I know I could just pay on my phone. You know, and yeah. so obviously that brings you know the importance of availability and response times and things and ease of use. There's a bunch of things we're doing around you know think, using things like threat metrics, which is like a giant right. AI engine in the sky, or using um, you know I mean we use all kind you know forty percent of the work we put in the new app, which deliberately was familiar looking to the old app was non-functional. It was things like security. You know, you never hear about bank bank with the fraud problem. <laughs> you know, yeah, like that's very true. Yeah, it is um, uh, uh, fraud, you know, fraud prevention. Obviously, if you can ensure that you're not going to have fraud, you can make it much easier to use, have less, mm. less bumps in the road, you know, and, that, and that's a progressive yeah. thing that we're working on. And, you know, so I think coming out of it, you know, the, the move to digital is done. You know, how you take it from here and grow it and partner and things like that. I do think you're going to find in the next year, you're starting to see it already as a shakeout amongst yep. the fintechs. You know, it was a no-lose situation and no-lose situations are only bad. No-lose mm. end up always being no-win, you know, yeah. because... Yeah, 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 that's right. So, so, so there's Ian, no... Yeah, sorry. That, 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 let me transition to something because you, you've made a few comments that... that have triggered is one of the questions I had sent to you earlier. And I, I kind of want to go there for a minute because I just read an article yesterday that, that I read it and I thought, mm, not sure I, I agree with this guy. Right. But, but there, there are those who might say that Thailand is kind of playing catch up when it comes to digital bank licenses. Right. Now, if I take everything you just described, right. And I, I know how I, as a consumer, how my wife as a consumer uses her, her BBL app today or her SCB app today, and, and I see how we conduct business today, I would almost argue that Thailand isn't at a place where you need digital-only banks because I'm not so sure you could tell a big difference between a digital-only bank and, and what, you know, if I take the leaders in Thailand today, so you and SCB and, you know, KBank, some of the others, right, the bigger players, and you look at what those digital capabilities are today, I'm not so sure adding digital banks makes a lot of difference. I'm kind of curious to get your take on, on the statement that maybe Thailand is playing catch up for digital banks yeah. and that kind of thing, because I'm not yeah. sure I see it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, obviously, so we're coming later to the market for digital banks. Is there, and, and, and it might be the government has its own reasons. They want other players in the market, you know, mm. and, and, and I think the only Thai, and it's not, a, it's actually a Singaporean bank, has a digital bank is tomorrow or whatever from UOB. You know, being a major, and they're a smaller player, they're a fantastic bank. Don't get me wrong, they're a smaller player. I'm not criticizing them. But if you're one of the major incumbents, and as you know, in Thailand, the top four are 80% of the market, or top five, if you want to bring Kunsi in, which is owned by a Japanese bank, hmm. you know, it, the, the, the concept of having a digital bank is possible, you know, but it, it would need to be like, you know, Blue Bank powered by Bangkok Bank or Green Bank yeah. powered by K Bank. Yeah. And, and then, like I always say to people, actually, people still do, do need access to other channels. They need access to ATMs. So you can say, well, with, with, with Green Bank, you can use any bank's ATM. We'll pay the fee, you know. And, and 
which is what Schwab does. I have a Schwab account. I don't know if you have a yeah. Schwab account. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I do. And, and they do. Yeah, yeah. Case. So, yeah, I, I never use the ATM feature. So they, they save money on me. Or, and, and then you, but you do need a contact center. In fact, digital only banks need a contact center even more, don't they? Because they don't have somewhere yeah. physically you can go. And also, if you're a member of Blue Bank, a customer of Blue Bank, and you're standing outside a Bangkok bank branch and you've got a problem, there's something wrong. You're going to kind of want to go in there. So I think some of those things as an incumbent need to be looked at. I'm not saying they won't happen. I mean, I, I so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it's probably true that, we, you know, from a timeline standpoint, we're behind. Do we really need it? It still needs to be proven to see. You know, they might say they want to do it to increase the competition because it's a top four or 80% of the market. That's a pretty huge concentration of, of assets in a small number of banks. But from yeah. a technical standpoint, I mean, I think you just need to make sure you don't confuse your customers. Yeah, you know, you yep, I agree. I agree. So so listen, I'm, I want to kind of round this out with sort of the last sure. million dollar question of the day, right? Sure. Uh, so uh, I kind of want you to put on your crystal ball cap a bit, because I, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of living here is the, the payments infrastructure for digital is just amazing. As you, I mean, I, I'm the same way you are, right? So you take where we are as a, a country uh, today and you kind of project out a bit. What do you think are some of the things over the next, I don't know, 12, 18, 24 months, whether they're technology driven or, or maybe uh, user driven or something like that, that you think is going to really continue to drive adoption of digital in Thailand? Because you're, the statement you just made is so correct, right? The, the Thai culture has been so accepting of digital channels, right? I mean, I, I look at my own family, you know, uh, uncles and aunts and and uh, mothers-in-laws and and all of them now have smartphones and, right. and they're getting much more comfortable and all that kind of stuff. So what do you think kind of drives digital for the next few years in Thailand? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the fact that the, the central bank is going to be bringing open an open banking initiative is going to encourage a lot of innovation, you know, because that's going to move banks towards, you know, banking as a service, isn't it? You know, because we're going to have to provide service in a secure way to our competitors and also to, to third parties. So I think that's going to encourage innovation. I do think you're going to find a lot of the fluff in the market. It's going to get shaken out, you know, with this mm. latest thing that's going on. But I, I think one, th one thing is that, but I also think, you know, regionalization and as, a, you know, the as people start to travel again, as people... You know, people like us, I mean, you know, we have this initiative for international QR codes, as you know. So not only can you QR, you can do a QR code in Thailand, you can do it from Vietnam or from, you know, yeah. places like yeah. that and do an account-based payment. So I think things build off of that, you know, I mean, and the other thing I say, which I, I actually will be killed by a company for saying it, but, but you're going to start to see the major cloud providers opening up in Thailand. Yeah. And I think you're going to find that kind of thing is going to enable things which currently are either very expensive to do or, you know, so, so, or, or, um, you know, from an AI, I mean, there's, you know, everyone goes on about AI. There's a lot of machine learning. There's not a lot of intelligence really, you know, those kind yeah. of things. I think those things are going to really help too, as far as analytics and as far as tr moving towards things which help to guide customers. Definitely as far as, improving customers' financial wellness. You know, there was a young man, I was interviewing him the other day, straight out of university. He was asking me, what are you going to do to help Thai people to manage their money better and things like that, you know? Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, it's wild, isn't it? You've got people, he went to Sri Nathari, we are at one of these universities in the middle of Bangkok, you know? And, and, and 
I mean, I think that the, the next wave is going to, you know, so we've done the doing your banking on, you know, we've done your doing your banking, we've done your use line and integrating to line and things or WhatsApp or whatever. The next thing is going to be how do you really start to advise people? You know, how do you help them to build? And wealth, I mean, people talk about wealth. Wealth at the minute is used for um, very rich individuals. Wealth is whatever somebody's got, isn't it? That's right. You know, I mean, your you know your uncle up there might have like hundred thousand baht total net worth. That's his wealth. You know, so yeah. how do people manage their money? Just helping them spend it isn't the thing. They need to know how they can invest it, how they're how they're doing, and those kind of things. And I think that kind of advice is really, really going to be, the, you know, that's where yeah. we're going to start to really see things. But as I say, to me, the fact that cloud providers are moving in, and I won't say which one, <laughs> is, you know, for <laughs> all of them, and once one comes in, they're all going to move in. Is uh, is going to be a real change for this country. So I, I uh, uh, I'll have to tell Jabba that we may need to do another podcast before too long because I'd like to go down this whole cloud and AI path because you and I I know have some very similar thoughts yeah. about sort of that next generation of customer interactions. Right. Uh, I right. think that would be a bit yeah. of a fun yeah. conversation. Yeah, that would be cool. Do. That would be cool. Anytime. So, so Ian, uh, I, I, uh, I really appreciate the time today. Uh, I know it took a bit of a struggle to get this scheduled on my side, but I really do appreciate yeah, the time right. today. And it was yeah, great catching yeah. up. Yeah, it's a good to see you. See you soon, Rick. Okay. You you thanks a lot. See you, thanks, see you again. Thanks. Bye-bye.